You are listening to a Hippily Horror Stories Patreon bonus preview. If you like what you're hearing, stick around to the end to find out how you can get more. Hey guys, I am joined by Angela Bowley. She is a psychic medium artist, soon to be author. It's uh, She does a little bit of everything. Angela's been on the show before uh, talking about some experiences that she's had. And not only just, she had a, a near-death experience when she was young, and when she came back from the near-death experience, she had these abilities. And part of what Angela does is she sees entities, and then she draws or paints pictures of these entities she saw, sees, which kind of makes her a lot different than, than uh, uh, other people we've talked to in the past. Angela, thanks for coming on. Oh, I appreciate coming on. Absolutely. So it's been about three years, I think, since you've been on the first show talking about it. So I'm going to ask you to refresh uh, our memories a little bit about how you got your abilities. When I was about five years old, I mistook a bottle of aspirin for a bottle of candy, ate every single aspirin in that bottle, and had to be rushed to the emergency room. It was a little late by the time my mom realized something was wrong. And when we got the emergency room, I started vomiting blood and they rushed mm -hmm. to find more blood. The attending physician, the pediatric physician at the time, he says, we have to get blood in her. If she doesn't get a transfusion of blood, she's going to die. And the nurse ran off. She came back, said, we have no more blood. We are out of blood. And the doctor says she's going to die. And he even made the call to the coroner, which I actually overheard him call the coroner to come get my body. And I had been vomiting and vomiting blood. And then I get into a point where I go into shock and I feel a, a race of hot. I feel extreme cold. And he puts me on the table and he puts a blanket over my head. And I didn't know why he was doing that. And then suddenly... I got the sensation of going through a tunnel. Like I was going through this tunnel full of cobwebs. It's the best way I can describe it. And then at the end of the tunnel, I can see the ceiling very clearly, even though I have a blanket over my face. And I see a sunbeam of light coming through the ceiling. And I thought, well, sun doesn't shine through ceilings. How is that possible? And then I actually left the table and floated up the sunbeam, saw all the patients and all the other floors and end up above the hospital with the roof below my feet. And I saw I was heading towards a beautiful bright light. And I was looking at this bright light and I'm wondering, am I heading towards the sun? And then I look over at the sun and the sun looks dim compared to the light I'm going to. In fact, the sun looks teeny tiny compared to this light I'm going to. And I entered that light and it's, I can only tell you that this light is a great consciousness with all sorts of life, all sorts of order, all sorts of love, and great intellect. And I was feeling this great joy and peace in that light. And then a voice emanated from that light said to me, your body is made out of individual small structures called cells, and I'm going to fix every single one of them, and I'm going to send you right back. And the reverse happened. I went right back down the sunbeam, through the floors of a hospital and for the first time looked down on my body and that was quite a shock. I had no idea that my body could be separated from me and I'm looking at my body like, oh, you know, 
what's going on. I was, I was kind of really taken aback. And I floated above my body, assumed the same position of my body. I heard that voice say, get up, get up, get up. And the third get up, I leaped off the table. Everybody looked shocked. I had no idea why everybody looked shocked. But I leaped off the table with joy because I felt so much joy from that light. And the doctor asked permission to re-examine me. And he got permission from my mother and he re-examined me. And he says, not only is she fully recovered, but she's actually healthier than the average child in her age group. So I actually came back in better health than before I died. And I had been dead. I had no pulse, no brain activity, no blood in my body for 30 minutes. Wow. So when I came back, I saw that I felt that my perception had been shifted somehow because I could still see in the spirit realm that I had just come from. And then when I came back, I started seeing spirits in the house and I didn't know what they were. And one of the first ones, which, you know, I did some illustrations on and you can see that on my Facebook page was one um, like these black shadowy figures that would just come out of the walls, the floors, bathroom, everywhere. And they would come out and they growl at me and they had glowing, glowing white eyes and teeth and growl and they were blacker than black and daylight or night, it didn't matter. It would, they kind of looked smoky, like smoky black figures, but you couldn't see through them. And I'm saying one of the first ones, first illustrations that I did of one of those I just did and posted on my Facebook page so you could take a look at it. But what really startling about it, what people make jokes about is that it's coming out of the toilet. Well, I have to explain that since I was in a haunted house and I thought if I'd go to another house, I'd be okay because maybe it's just my house. And I went to visit my cousin's house. They had a, their house was very similar ours it was built upon the same time period it had a similar design to it similar layout went to their house uh, was playing with my cousin in the basement they had a carpeted basement and we had one of those little plastic phones that all of us had as kids if they grew up in the 70s <laughs> that yeah. you, that had a, the, the little red wheels it was a white phone it had little eyes on it and it had a little clapper on the axle so that if the phone was moved across the floor, it would clang the little bell underneath. Well, one of those were sitting in the corner, and all of a sudden, I felt this intense presence there, and it kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And it became so palpable that I wanted to turn back and see if I could see anything. And in fact, my cousin also looked. We saw nothing, and but it felt violent. It felt like it wanted to tear me apart. It was really predatory. That's the best way I could describe it. And then that little toy phone started to ring on its own. Like an actual telephone ring? Yeah. Or, the, or like the ring that it would... The ring that it made. And it was mm -hmm. ringing and ringing and ringing. And the phone wasn't moving. And we're both looking at it. My cousin flies up the stairs the fastest I've ever seen anybody move. And I looked at it. Because I had been seeing shadow people everywhere. And I thought, well, I just turned five. And I said, I'm five years old. I'm a big girl. You're not going to make me scream. In fact, I'm going to walk on me up out of this basement. So I climb the steps out of the basement. I get to the top of the stairs and decide, you know what? I'm going to go to the bathroom. 
I'm going to go up the next set of stairs and walk into the bathroom. So I go up the next set of stairs. And as soon as I walk into the bathroom, this black figure crawls out of the toilet, blacker than black. And these black figures, bright white eyes, needle-like teeth, glowing teeth, and growl the deepest growl I've ever heard. And that didn't make me scream. I screamed and I ran out of the bathroom, down the stairs, out the front door and into traffic where my dad grabbed me. So just before a car would have hit me. Um, that was terrifying. And then keep in mind, this is years before Ghoulies came out. This is years before Poltergeist came out. This is back in 79. So none of those had any influence on me. That happened. That was my memory. But as I grew into adulthood, uh, I kept having more paranormal experiences. Uh, even as a child, I would have a lot of premonitions. I was still seeing spirits. And at our haunted house, I'd have the experiences of things moving on their own, even your phantom voices, phantom footsteps. We had a set of heavy footsteps that would routinely go up and down our stairs, come back, stop in front of my bedroom, turn around, go back stairs, and come back up and do it all night. They um, had a little kids radio that turned itself on and the dial moved up and down by itself and you could actually see the dial spinning and I took it out of the wall ran down the basement got a screwdriver and took it apart and I was like first of all I can't believe we made money for this thing because it just has a rubber band attached to a <laughs> gear that moves the dial up and down I can't believe we paid money for this but I was like, like there's no way that it could have done it by itself. Um, there was the sound of furniture moving when no furniture was moving, door slamming when they weren't actually slamming. Um, we've had all sorts of strange phenomena. I know that one day, all three of us, my parents and myself, were sitting on the sofa and we had the TV off and it's the middle of the afternoon because we were going to have a family meeting about our vacation. I'm like six or seven years old. And we had hardwood floors and we heard in the upstairs bedroom, somebody walk across the hardwood floors of that bedroom, walk to the wall, flip off the light switch. And that was it. You didn't hear anybody walking back across. You didn't hear anybody trying to come downstairs. We all stopped and froze. We looked up there. We're waiting for somebody to come down. And they never came down. And nobody was brave enough to go up and check until about four or five hours later. And that was me because I had to use the bathroom at that time frame. And I went up there and there was no sign of anybody having been there. Um, as time went on, I had more paranormal experiences. Um, I, when I was uh, visiting the cemetery there, we had a cemetery that had a good area to walk in and it had a place where you could fly a pint. And we got. Uh, radio broadcast we heard on the car saying hey a tornado's coming you better take cover the wind was starting to pick up sky changed a weird eerie color and we started to head back and on the way back in someone's yard it's adjacent to the cemetery i see an open casket with an elderly man with his hands crossed and his clothes are oversized he looks like he'd been very sick because he looked kind of skeletal and I just had the impression, like, I'm looking at something in the other realm, in that spirit realm, and he's just trying to warn me, I better get to safety, not trying to scare me. And we get back to the house, the tornado passes over a house. And then I was so intrigued by this, 
elderly man. So I did my own research. Okay, at this time, I'm like seven years old, and there wasn't any internet. So I reached out to newspapers because they keep track of the obituaries and funerals and funeral announcements. And they said there hadn't been a funeral um, for at least three or four months prior to the tornado. So I know it wasn't somebody had a funeral and they left their, you know, there's somebody's loved one just laying there. <laughs> right, exactly. In somebody's yard on the cemetery and open where the wind's blowing and the rain's coming. Like, who would do that? <laughs> it would make a good Halloween decoration, though. It would. It would. And the funny thing is, I, I walked over to that guy's house, and I asked him while he, while he was out trimming the bushes, I said, do you keep dead bodies in your yard? <laughs> so, that's what I told, asked him. He's like, no. He was probably like, I wish I had a dollar every time somebody asked me that. <laughs> sure he got a kick out of that somehow um, when I started to go to college and I had graduated from high school I had some one of the most terrifying paranormal experiences of my life that let me know for sure I was psychic I wasn't just having paranormal experiences there was something unique about me I was going to go for a walk and I decided well I needed to go back into the house grab a coat because maybe it could be cold because it was kind of getting autumn and i go back inside grab my coat shut the closet door and there's a man standing there and he's skinned and it was the most glorious thing i've ever seen him in life i never seen a person skinned like inside out skinned and his it was just skull um you can see the upper body and he was just flush this mangled flesh just hanging down and it was gory and there was pool there was blood pooling on the floor and i mean a carpet and I looked down and he had stonewashed jeans and they were flared at the bottom and he had these high top tennis shoes and they were glowing like they were lit up. And he still had his eyes in his head, but it was bare skull and he was leaning over me and he was talking to me, but he was talking in my head. He wasn't talking out loud to me. It's like I could see his, his jawbone was moving. And he says, man, I should have been like you. I smoked weed all through high school and I got a factory job and I got killed while I was on the job. And he went into great detail of how he got killed. He had a, some clothing that just got caught on one of the belts and it just pulled him through the conveyor belts. That's how he died. It, it just ripped him, it just ripped him apart. And he even told me the exact building that he died in. He told me that he saw me driving past the building every day and he didn't know how he was going to get hold of me but he could see me and he knew he had to talk to me and this was the only time he had to do it and he only had this brief time and I went into shock I mean I could I've been in shock before so I know what that feels like and I felt like my blood just went ice cold and I said to him I'm sorry that this happened to you you're welcome to come back and talk but right now I need to walk outside and catch my breath because I'd, I'd never seen anything like this. I leave. As soon as I get outside, my dad says, you look like you've seen a ghost. I didn't tell him what I seen. He says, I didn't have any color in my face at all. Yeah. You may be onto something. <laughs> yeah. So, so I left and came back. And he wasn't back. And this surprised me. So I looked up this information. I thought, he's given me enough information. He told me the location. He told me what happened. 
So I looked up the address and I went to the Department of Labor, Hygiene and Safety and found at that location, it recorded the death of an 18 year old male that died in 1979. He was sucked through the machinery. That was actually the same year that I died, it was 79. Maybe that was our connection that we had. And I realized, okay, first of all, nobody has his experiences bitterly because he looked like he was flesh and blood standing there. And I thought for sure, I'm gonna have to call 911 that somebody really got hurt. And then I was looked down the rest of them and realized he's beyond help because he's basically skeletal. And I'm like, who, who has any experiences like this, this vivid and the information that he gave me completely checked out exactly the way he said it happened and when it happened. And I thought about how he was talking. Okay, that's consistent with the 70s, the way that he was talking and the stonewashed jeans and the flares at the bottom consistent with the 1970s, the high top shoes, it's consistent with the time. Oh, wow. And ultimately I realized this, I started to take more of a participatory role whenever a spirit would come to me and I would try to help them. I wasn't sure how to help because I didn't have any guidance, but um, I learned eventually, first I, I learned to just empathize with them and then kind of go through what they were going through. But later on, I realized I didn't have to do that uh, because I kept having a, someone coming to me in my dreams, instructing me and telling me how to set boundaries and what to do. And he was a doctor and he kept repeatedly coming to me. And then later on, he revealed himself as Jesus. He's like, I'm, I'm gave you this. And one of the uh, encounters with Jesus and one of these dreams, he came as a biker, right, riding a Harley Davidson beard. He had tattoos across all his knuckles that said love. And he had Alpha and Omega on one shoulder. And he said, born, um, so he was born to die, raised from the dead on the other, in the tattoo. And there was a, such love in his eyes. And he says, before you were born, I knew. And if you read your Bible, I mean, read about Jeremiah exactly what he said Jeremiah the same words before you're born I knew and he said I given you this gift and he explained to me why I was being so demonically attacked as a child he says the demons wanted to control that gift they didn't want me to use it he says but I control it and he was referring to psychic ability he'd given this to me and so I've been using that when uh, spirits come to me, or I'm in a location, you know, I could say a prayer and the door of heaven just opens for them and they can just walk over. You know, they give them that choice. And I hope that people connect with their loved ones. And it's just all about love because it, when our loved ones pass, that connection of love doesn't die. They're, they're welcome to come and visit and stay with us. And when I'm doing readings, I see their loved ones around people. I see spirit animals around people. I'll see their angels and I'll do portraits of all of them, you know, whoever is coming through and I will give them, pass on their messages as well. And I'm just amazed at how accurate they are because all I'm doing is listening and seeing and just reporting what I'm hearing and seeing. For example, um, on one of my readings I was doing at a psychic fair, I had a man sit down and I kept getting the impression 
of his father. I was seeing a car. So I actually started doing the portrait of the man I was seeing. And I was, I was saying to him, you know, what, what he's saying is you've got to do more teardown so you'll learn more about cars. You're not doing enough teardown. You've got to tear down the engines more. And he's, and he's laughing. He says, that's exactly what he would have said because I'm not doing a lot of teardown. I'm trying to avoid the work. <laughs> and I showed the portrait to him. And he's like, yes, that's my dad. That is my dad. You just painted a portrait of my dad. And I said, what about the car I was seeing? And he lifted up his sleeve and he had the tattoo of the car I was seeing on his arm, exactly the same car. And it's like they had built this car together and restored this old Ford together. So, um, and uh, another one, a woman sat down with me and she says, I know I have, uh, I know my family, my ancestors were slaves and, you know, I wanted to see who you pick up. And I gave her the name and a great grandfather and I did his portrait. I said, he, you know, he died older, but he's showing me younger for some reason. He must need to show himself younger. I held up the portrait to her. She said, oh my gosh, he looks like my grandson. And then she hung up the picture of her grandson and they you put them side by side. Other than the hairstyle, you couldn't tell them apart. How long does it take oh, you to do one of these portraits? Like do you do that as you're sitting there doing their reading? Yes, about 15 minutes. And I can okay. get, and I, you know, I do that quickly when I'm at a psychic fair. If, um, if I have more time or a person wants to take more time, I'll usually do that at home and connect on Zoom. And people can email me a photo of themselves and kind of where they hail from. Then I connect with them and astrally and pick up whatever spirit that's around them that want to make themselves known and do that portrait and send that out to him. That takes a little bit longer, uh, but it's more thorough because I'm taking more time to do the work and help uh, help them communicate. Plus, I have the time to include any symbols that they want to include from their loved ones because sometimes they will send me symbols they will send me um, pictures of an item or an activity they want to send a lot of them like to send us certain flowers that have symbolic meanings and things of that nature i've on my first uh, paranormal investigation i remember i i group and i was i was thought i i was thought it was the type of person that couldn't pick up things or be like one of those psychics on TV. I thought there's nobody could be that good. First, first investigation we did went into this house. I don't even know the address. They just put me in the car and took me there. So I'm like, I have no idea where you're taking me. Where we're we going? We get we get out of the car. I get in the house. The first thing I feel like I feel like I'm being pulled back like an undertow, like if you're on the ocean, you're being pulled back, and I feel like I'm being pulled back in time. And it's the 1940s. And I looked in the kitchen. I'm like, I see this woman, this middle-aged woman in a dress. I describe her dress, her hairstyles from the 40s. And she's, and I see all the appliances go back to the 1940s. And we go to the basement and I see her husband who's wearing a hat and he's smoking. He's like, play cards down there. I bet that they had a, no children, but they had a cat. And this cat still likes to come and go from the house. Went upstairs that there was a shadow person up there and I kept hearing arguing and also felt this river of life just flowing through that house because there was like 12 kids there, 14 people total because he, 
fostered kids. And plus he had his own kids and he kids that he fostered. And he just built this wonderful, happy home. And plus they had four dogs, four rabbits, uh, <laughs> all sorts of wildlife going on. He just filled this river of energy. <laughs> and we were all commenting on that. But the caseworker says, okay, their original structure was built in the 1940s. There was a middle-aged woman and man. They didn't have any kids. The man wore a hat and he smoked. He smoked a cigar. Like I picked up on all of that. And they were reporting to the case worker, which I had no idea of, that there was a shadow person that they were seeing. And there had been uh, arguing in the house among the living people that I was hearing and picking up as I was between the father and the daughter. And I was hearing that. Um, and it was kind of muffled, but I could hear the, the yelling and how tense it was. Oh, I got all of that. And the other psychics that were in a group were, you know, were saying they were all seeing the same thing. And the owner of the home actually showed me a photo of his dog pointing to the exact spot where I saw the woman in the kitchen, like pointing like he's a, like he's a pointing hunting dog, you know, like he's just got his paw out there. He's like, hey, something's in that kitchen. I'm not going in there. And dogs would refuse to go in there and ultimately ending getting the spirits out of there so they could have peace in their home. But uh, it's that just amazed. I was like, wow. <laughs> I could do, I'm doing this and, and I just keep getting more and more information. And as I go on, I'm able to do more and more. In fact, um, one of the producers from Unexplained Cases, that was a YouTube series that I was on, got in touch with me and says, I wonder if you could interact with people just like a ghost could out of body. So we did an experiment. So unbeknownst to another paranormal investigator, Mike, I went astrally to that location in Maryland and I just picked up where he was and I just touching his shoulders. I kept getting behind him, touching, touching, got to tap his shoulders. And he says, well, describe who he's with. I said, well, there's a woman with long brown, brown hair and it's kind of curly. And I gave him my impressions or recorded it, send that to him. And that's timestamp. So I have no on-site communication there. At the same time, he's videoing Mike. So Mike says, I got this cold spot on my shoulder. It's very cold. And his hair is raised up. He's getting goosebumps. And then the woman that he's with has long blonde hair. It's kind of long brown, brown hair, <laughs> curly, just like I said. Was using the EMF detector and put it on his shoulder. And I set off the EMF detector. <laughs> <laughs> so I could interact just like a spirit would. And even reproduce the goose pumps and the hair raising because I was close to his back trying to touch his shoulder and he also caught a white shadow figure which something tells me that that was a minute that was like a manifestation of me of my astral self that that's how I look like <laughs> I'm trying to I'm being all ghosty I guess <laughs> interesting so Angela, you got a you got a couple of events coming up uh, in in the next couple of months. So if people wanted to come see you and possibly get a reading, uh, how could they find out about about those events? Well, you can go to my Facebook page. My Facebook page is Angela Boley, Psychic Portrait Artist, and I have those events listed there. There's also coming up very quickly in September, 10th and 11th. There's going to be Mystics and Marvels at the Franklin County Fairgrounds in near Columbus, Ohio. That's actually in Hilliard, Ohio, to be more precise. 
And I'll be in Post Town as well. And of course, if you look on my Facebook page and uh, look up Post Town, one of my posts, I actually have it posted here. That's going to be a little later in September. It's September 23rd, 24th, and 25th. But I will be there for the Saturday, the 24th only. So if you want to catch me there at Post Town Elementary School, please be there Saturday on the 24th. And if you'd like me to do a portrait for you and you'd like me to do a reading, just message me on my Facebook page. Again, that's Angela Boley, Psychic Portrait Artist. And I'll be more than happy to reach out to you. And that's Angela Boley, B-O-L-E-Y. So yeah. you, I know Facebook is if you're a little bit off, you won't come up with the right person. <laughs> B is in boy, O as in ocean, L is in Lima, E is in echo, Y is in Yankee. So make sure to get that right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Angela, it's been a pleasure having you on, but it's been a while since we caught up and uh, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And I'm also working on a book as well. So hopefully it'll be out whenever. <laughs> I'm putting my paranormal experiences together and it'll be illustrated. So hopefully um, that book will be come together and I'm looking for a publisher right now. I wonder who'll be doing the illustrations for that book. <laughs> You can see some of them on my Facebook page already. So pop on there. All right, dear. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. It's great seeing you again. Hey, guys, if you like what you just heard, we do six of those small bonus episodes every single week. We also do two full-length bonus episodes every month. We do a listener stories episode and then a story that's just, just like the ones you would typically hear on the regular feed. If you're interested in supporting us on Patreon, just go to patreon.com and look up Hillbilly Horror Stories or go to hillbillyhorrorstories.com and there's a direct link right there. Thank you guys so much for what you do for us.